see you, and it's wonderful to be worshiping the Lord together with you tonight. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Read with me, if you would, verses 8 and 9. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Wonderful lesson tonight that ministered to me as I was studying. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. We sang about peace tonight. We talked about the peace of God last week. And this week we're talking about the God of peace. The peace of God and the God of peace who's going to be with us. Amen. And so last week, if you remember, we talked about that wonderful passage, verses 6 and 7. We're doing our study through the book of Philippians, verse by verse. Uh, but be careful for nothing in 6 and 7, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is a promise from the Lord. And so we have the thought is there. If you want to worry less, do you want to worry less than you do? I do. If we want to worry less, we need to pray more. Amen. We need to bring those same worries and concerns, casting all those cares upon the Lord because he cares for us. Amen. This, this world, Jesus said, in this world you're going to have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. It's all through the scriptures, the New Testament and Old Testament, reminding the believers, trust in God, think on God, bring those thoughts back to the Lord, bring that heart and fix it to the Lord, uh, fix it upon the Lord, believe the promises of God. We're re it's repeated over and over and over because God knows we're weak, he knows that we're just earthen vessels. Yes, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, but sometimes we get our mind on worldly things. We get our minds on things that trouble us, and we begin to worry and fret, and God doesn't want us to. It actually is a sin to worry when God has promised us such great things that will never leave us nor forsake us and so forth, and then we're going to worry and fret. We're worried about money when the Lord says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That could be money. That could be anything we need. God is going to take care of us. Amen? He is going to take care of us. And we have those promises in Matthew 6, right? Why do you take thought for tomorrow? Tomorrow will take care of the things of itself. Why do you worry about what you're going to eat, what clothes you're going to put on, what shelter you're going to have over your head? Don't, don't, doesn't the Lord take care of lilies of the field? and clothe them? Doesn't God take care of a bird and a sparrow? Yes, he does. Are you not more valuable than many sparrows, Jesus said? Yes, we are. We are to trust in God and believe in God. Amen. And so he talked about the peace. And this week we're talking about uh, where our thoughts are to be, where our minds are to be, with what our minds are to be occupied. And Christians are basically drinking from this fountain of Christ and this living water that the world knows nothing about. That's why we have a peace that passes the world's understanding. It's beyond comprehension. The world knows nothing about the peace that we're talking about. They could. Amen. They can. 
They can come to know Christ, but the world, just in their worldly state, lost, knows nothing about the peace of God, knows nothing about the joy of the Lord, knows nothing about the hope that we have in the Lord, and so forth. So there's this fountain and a stream that we're drinking from. Jesus said, if you would drink from the water that I would give you, he told the woman at the well, you, you would have an everlasting life, and you would never thirst again. Amen? And that is the, by, the, by his Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. But y'all, there are terms, and we find this all through the Bible, there are terms upon which we receive this peace. There are terms up, upon which we uh, receive these great blessings from the Lord. And in verses 6 and 7, which we looked at last week, if we're going to have the peace of God that passes understanding, we need to pray about all things, cast those things upon the Lord, worry about nothing, pray about everything, thank Him in your prayers. You say, well, when He answers my prayers, I'll thank Him. No, God wants us to come before Him with thanksgiving in our hearts. Amen? He wants to be ye thankful. If nothing's going right, as far as we're concerned, be thankful. It is, it is a godly trait, and it is not based upon our circumstances. It's based upon the God who holds us in his hands and his precious promises to us. So in our prayers, even if you're going through great difficulties at the moment, great trials of your faith and just trials of life, we can come before the Lord and thank him. Thank him for the blood of Jesus. Thank him that he hears you when you pray. Thank him that he's taking care of you and your family. Thank him that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Thank him that he died on the cross for your sins. Thank you that this, thank him that this world is not our home. And also thank him for uh, thank him for the answered prayer before it's manifest completely. You're not you know, thank you, Lord. I used to I used to hear Clendenin pray, and Lord, we thank you to bless it. Is the way he would when he was praying for his service sometimes. I, we thank you to bless it. So he's thanking him ahead of time for blessing the service, the meeting, the sermon, whatever he was praying for. And I think it's a wonderful way to pray with thanksgiving. Amen. But we trust him. We thank him for things in the past. We trust him for things in the future. And then he tells us here the things that we're to think on. Okay. We're to think on the things of God and we're to do what he's instructed us to do. We're only looking at these two verses tonight. There's two thoughts, what we're to think about and what we're to do, all right? What we're to think about and what we're to do. So he says in verse 8, finally, brethren, okay, finally, brethren, and then he lists eight things there that the believer is to think on, to meditate on. It's not just letting things pass through our minds, it's laying hold on something in your mind and let, latching on to that thought in your mind. The whole book of Psalms, 150 uh, chapters in Psalm. The whole book starts out, blessed is the man, right? And it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, law does he meditate day and night. He meditates on the law of God, the word of God, the things of God. He didn't have the New Testament at that time. He didn't have a lot of the Old Testament finished at that time. He had God's law and what was given to him already, and it was his delight. David's delight, and he meditated on it day and night. He says, that's a blessed man. He's going to be, be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that, you know, it has, bears fruit in its time. But we're to think on these things. I'm not going to read them all again right now, the things that are true and honest and so forth. But our thought life, y'all, is very, very important. 
I know that you know this, but we're going to talk about this tonight. Our thought life is very important. What do I think about? What do you think about? For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, the scripture says. And, and you don't have to turn here, but I'll let you know where I'm quoting from. Is 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The weapons of our warf- warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, even to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God of God, bringing into captivity every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I really think about that verse, and I really pray it to myself. I pray it to myself. I'll quote it to God. I pray it and think about that scripture. It is so important that we bring every thought, every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But what is that exactly? What is something that exalts itself against the knowledge of God? Well, if Jesus says, He's faithful and true, and he abideth faithful. And we say inwardly, we probably would never say it with our mouths, I don't think God's being faithful to me. We read a scripture that God answers prayer when we pray according to his will and we pray by faith. And we think, I don't think God's going to answer my prayer. You understand? That, that's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. The Lord says that he's going to come back on a white horse and at the second coming, and he's going to rapture us about seven years before that. And, and, and we start to think, I don't, I don't really, doesn't look like that's what's happening. It looks like it's just things are getting worse and worse. And, well, he said it's going to get worse and worse. But these are thoughts. These are just examples of things. Uh, God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. He says in his word, there's going to be a blessing. And all the more we're to come together and provoke and encourage one another in Christ as we, as we get closer to the return of the Lord. And you say, I, I, don't, I don't think there's really any benefit to going to church tonight. You understand? These are thoughts that they either come from the devil or they come from our own flesh. And they are exalting those, are themselves against Christ and what he has promised. And I am told in the word of God to bring those thoughts, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It has to be by the word of God. It has to be the word that I quote and pray and say, no, Randy, you're a liar or no devil, you're a liar. I am going to church tonight. There's a benefit. God's going to be there. He's going to meet with me. He's going to speak to me. Whatever it may be, we bring those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. I want to talk a good portion of tonight about our thought life. I remember Dave Hunt saying this before. I heard him a couple of times in person and still, you know, read his newsletters, which I appreciate greatly. But I remember him saying one time, we're not prisoners to our brains. We're not a prisoner to our minds. In other words, his point was, somebody might say, well, I just can't help but thinking about that. Yes, you can. And I can too. It's an excuse. I just can't help fretting about that. I just can't help lusting about that. I just can't help coveting that. Uh, I just can't help it. And that is, that is not true. We are not prisoners to our brains. Our brain and our mind is not going to order us as to what we think about. I can bring that captive 
to the obedience of Christ by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. I do have a will, and I can will to do His will, and I can will to think about what is, what He's is just and lovely and so forth. And so we're not prisoners to our minds. People say, I just can't help it. I just can't help it. We can help it. We're believers. We can. Amen. And we need to help it, all of us, every single one of us. I'm not pointing my finger at anyone. We need to replace those harmful thoughts, anything unhealthy, unholy, harmful, with, with holy things and meditate on the Lord and His Word. That's why it's so important. And I would say young people, but it's not just young people. That's why it's so important, people, believers, as to as to what we think about, as to what we input into our, our minds. What am I looking at on the TV? What am I looking at on the computer? What am I looking at on my phone? What am I listening to? What music am I listening to when I'm in the car? What friends am I hanging out with when it's my time and I can hang out with who I want to? Who am I hanging out with and what am I listening to? What am I looking at? Those things are so unbelievably important. I don't know what the, the word is. They're, they're of the utmost importance. And so young people, older people, men, women, it matters what we think about. It matters what you think about. And it matters what I think about. The Bible says that we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Renewed. That word means to reform. That's from Ephesians 4.23, by the way. It means to reform, to renovate. Why would I need to renew my mind? Why would it? And it's a process. It's an ongoing process, okay? You're saved one time when you give your life to Christ by faith. You're born again, okay? We've passed from death to life, Jesus says in John. He that believe, hears his word and believes in, in Christ has passed from death to life. But our minds, you still have thoughts from a former life before you knew Jesus. You still have thoughts and we have things that we look at that habits, sinful habits and worldly habits and things. And so it's a constant process that our minds are to be renovated, reformed by the word of God. By the word of God. Amen. And so the Bible says, uh, Paul says in Romans 12, we all know it. Uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, right, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice and be not conformed to this world. But. Be renewed, be renewed, uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So at least twice we have that, that thought about our minds being renewed. What does the devil want to do? He wants to get your life. You say, oh, I'm already saved. He can't touch me. In one sense, that's true. The devil can't take a saved person and make them lost. Okay, we belong to Jesus. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. That person can forsake their faith or forsake Christ. And I know the devil's there to help that. But Satan can't overpower the Lord and make you lost. Okay, but what can he do? What can he do? He can, he can try to trouble you. He can try to ruin your testimony. He can try to rob you of the things that are freely given you in Christ. If he that spared not his own son, but offered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Would all things include the peace of God? Yes, it would. Would include the joy of the Lord? Yes, it would. And so Satan wants to rob those things from you. He wants to make you agitated, aggravated, covetous, mad, mean, discontent, whatever it may be, bothered all the time. 
how does he go about doing this? I don't believe he first starts with the heart. I think he presents something to your eyes, or he presents something to your ears, or he fires, as it says in Ephesians, uh, a fiery dart at our minds and makes us think a thought. Could be a thought to doubt God. Could be a thought that's just plain old sinful or covetousness or a worry or worldly. And he, he does those things. He can do those things. He can fire darts, fiery darts at your mind. He can do that. That is something Satan can do. But we have more than enough provision. What does God say about the full armor of God? Put ye on the armor of God, right? Make no provision for the flesh. And one of those armors, pieces of armor, is a helmet of salvation. It is a helmet of salvation whereby we're able to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. But he's going to fire them. Don't, don't think he's not. Satan is walking to, to and fro the earth as a roaring lion, it says in 1 Peter, seeking whom he may devour. Well, lost people are lost, and he's got them blinded at this time to the truth. They can be saved, but at this moment, if they're lost, they're blinded to the truth. He can come to believers and try to ruin your testimony for Christ. You sin publicly. You, you curse publicly. You worry and fret and doubt publicly. Uh, it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't start in your, in your heart. The, the fiery dart from the devil, he, it usually starts with a thought. A thought. Have you ever been just happy and everything's going great and this thought just hits you and you'll say, where did that come from? It's just like, this is, not, this is not what I was thinking about. This is not what I want to think about. This is not of God. Um, those thoughts are to be cast down and, and brought captive to the obedience of Christ. Anything, we find ourselves, I say it all the time, if I find myself fretting, I find myself worrying about the state of our country, a, a family member, finances, health, anything at all we find ourselves fretting and worrying those thoughts are to be reeled in so to speak a timeout it's like we need to tell our own selves timeout timeout what did god promise what did he say in his word do i believe that is god a liar or is he is he faithful a faithful god who keeps his promises amen he is that he is faithful god who keeps his promises and all the promises of God in him are yea and in him, amen, unto the glory of God. And so he, it's impossible for God to lie. So if I'm thinking something where I'm just worried, Fred, it's not going to turn out good, it's going to turn out bad, it, I mean, on and on and on, we need to say time out. It could be the devil, it could just be me. This could be me and my flesh worrying and fretting. But either way, those thoughts are not from God, and we'd have no business or right to take those thoughts and make them our own. Now, I want to talk about this for, for just a moment. It's one thing to say, well, Satan fired a fiery dart at my mind, made me fret, put sudden fear into my mind, whatever it may be. He, he fires a fiery dart. But it's another thing. In, in other words, that's not a sin. Satan does things like that. What's a sin is if I now take that thought and say, I kind of like that. I'm going to keep it and make it my own. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm going to meditate on it. And I'm going to think on it. And I'm going to harbor it. And what we've done is exactly what Ephesians says don't do is don't give place to the devil. 
Don't give place to the devil. Does he fire fiery darts at the, the best saints in the world? Yes. He tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, okay? He fires fiery darts. That's not a sin on our part. It is a sin on my part if I call it back to remembrance and say, I'm going to sit here for a few minutes and I want to think on that. And it's something sinful. It's not of God. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. That is where we take it and make it our own. And we're not to do that. And you do have authority and the power to, do, to take control over your mind. You're not a slave or a captive to your brain. And I did not invent this quote. I thought it was kind of funny. You cannot prevent birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. Okay? So birds fly over, but they're just not going to find a dwelling place uh, and make a nest in my hair. Okay? We, that's the same for our thoughts. Satan fires the darts. And I need to say, recognize that and say, no, that, that doesn't line up with the Word of God. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's another spirit. That is contrary to the Bible and to my Lord and Savior. No matter what I see, and I'm going to cast those thoughts down. Amen? So all that is true, noble, these are the eight things that are listed. All that is true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy. That is what we're to think on. Can I do that? Yes, you can. Ask God to help. Ask Him to help every day. Ask Him to help several times a day. But yes, you can, and so can I. And all of those things that we're to think on, they're all found in Christ, by the way. Just and lovely and pure. All of it's found in Jesus. And so we have both the ability or the power by the Holy Spirit and the responsibility to govern our thought life. So I just want y'all, if there's one thing we laid hold on tonight, it would be that, that we have the ability by the Holy Spirit and the responsibility, according to the Word of God, to govern our thought life. It is not up to somebody else what you think about. It's not up to the devil it's not a, you're not a prisoner to your brain, and there's just something inside of me that makes me think all these things. If you're born again, you belong to Christ. If a thousand times a day you worry, I say it all the time, then a thousand times a day recognize I'm worrying, I'm fretting, and a thousand times a day bring those thoughts captive to Christ. He will help you. Maybe tomorrow it will be 900 instead of a thousand. Pretty soon it will be less and less. That is the, the truth that God is faithful. And so it matters what we input into our minds, our eyes, our ears. And then let's move on. What's a blessing? What, what else? Okay, those are the things we're to think about. But Paul uses himself as an example in verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen where in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. He he was not being arrogant several times in this epistle and in other epistles. He, he uses it uh, in First and Second Timothy with Timothy. Uh, he says, follow me. You've known my doctrine. You've known my life and so forth. But he, Paul lived what he preached. That's all he's saying. You can safely follow me, church at Philippi. You can safely follow my Christian example because I'm not a hypocrite. I practice what I preach. I live what I preach. If you don't believe me, come watch me. Come follow me and know. If you see th something that's not of the Lord, I really want you to tell me. It's not an arrogance. It is a, a confidence 
in his own testimony uh, that people can follow. We need to have confidence in our testimony that our children can follow, that other church members that are looking around can follow, that a new believer can follow, that people at work or school can watch our lives and say, that's what a true Christian is. If I'm going to be a Christian, maybe they're lost. That's how I want... That's the kind of Christian I want to be, a real one. We need to live in such a way. One said his life spoke more eloquently than his lips. And so he used his own testimony as, as, an, as a testimony for them to follow. I just want to read this from 2 Timothy 3, 10 11. Now, this is, again, the last epistle he's writing before he's going to be martyred for the Lord. He's telling his young disciple, Timothy, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, not just Jesus' doctrine. It is the Lord's doctrine, but Paul says, you fully known my doctrine, manner of life. Isn't that important? My purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience, persecutions, afflictions which came unto me at Antioch and Arconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. There again he's saying, you've known me, Timothy, you know me. And that's why it's important that we know those that labor among us as well. Know the, them that labor among you. And so we want to we have good, solid testimonies. None of us is perfect, okay? None of us is perfect. But we need to live in such a way consistently in, in a holy manner that people could follow us and that, say this is the way a Christian is lit, should live. I don't want to lead somebody into watching R-rated movies and say this is how a Christian is supposed to live. I don't want to live in live such a way that occasionally I'll drink a beer and, hey, I don't think there's anything. Jesus drank wine, you know, all that kind of stuff. And live in such a way that I lead people off and astray in something. I want to live in a manner that is glorifying to God and that people can follow. Amen? Safely follow. As I said, he, he mentions four things. He said, those things you've uh, learned and received, heard and seen in me, do those things. Now, this is, this is what we're going to spend the remainder of the message on tonight, doing those things, which we're going to talk about uh, a lot more in just a moment. But the result of all this is the God of peace shall be with you. The two previous verses talked about, 6 and 7, talked about the peace of God that passes understanding. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Here it says the God of peace shall be with you. And so the word peace literally means prosperity, to join, to be one. I wouldn't think peace. That, personally, that, that wouldn't have been the first thought that I had in defining the word peace. But when you look up the word that's used here, Peace of God and the God of peace, it means prosperity, to join together, quietness, rest, to be one. And it does make sense. If I'm at peace with God and God's with me and I'm not double-minded, that's where all the fretting comes in. God says this, and I kind of believe it five seconds later, but I don't believe it. I believe it's going to be horrible. It's going to be like this. That's where all the turmoil comes in. If I'm one with God, even if I'm being persecuted, even if I'm in prison, me and God are, are one. And my thoughts are on the Lord. And I'm trusting God. Though he slay me, yet am I going to trust him, Job said. There's not a division inwardly. That's where the lack of peace comes from. That's where the fear comes from. Amen. Being double-minded. Yea, hath God said. Satan said to Eve. And it put doubt into her mind. He did say it. Just believe it, Eve. You know what I mean? He did say it. 
believe it, and trust him. And so I want you to, uh, to, to turn with me just real quickly. Keep your spot there and turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. This is Moses having a, the Lord speaking to Moses about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you to the promised land and so forth. And Moses had already been his chosen man to do that. It says in verse 13, Moses says, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me, not, show me now thy, thy way that I may know thee that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is my people. And he said, here's the Lord saying, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Basically, it came down to this for Moses. First, the Lord had promised, I'm going to send an angel to lead you in the way. And Moses is basically saying, no way, (laughs) no way. I need you. I want you to lead me. And the Lord says, my presence will go with you, and I will give thee rest. Amen? And and Moses says, it's a good thing, Lord, because if you're not going with me, uh, if your presence isn't with me, then then don't take us anywhere. I want to stay right here where you are. That's a good way to be. It's a good way to live. But it's also the presence of the God of peace, the peace of God, but the God of peace shall be with thee. That's what Paul's saying in Philippians. The God of peace is going to be with you. And so Paul Paul knew that the importance of of right doctrine, spiritual doctrine, and he had fed the Philippians this good doctrine, good word, and so forth, but it's not enough that, that people have good doctrine. We have to do good doctrine. We have to obey what, what God's word says. And turn back to Philippians, because he says here, those things that you learned and received, heard and seen in me. Does he say write them down in a book? He says the things you've learned and received, heard and seen in me do. You want the peace of God and the God of peace to be with you? Take the good, sound doctrine, the right teaching. It has to be good and sound and right and biblical and rightly divided by the Holy Ghost. Yes, line upon line, precept upon precept. Not perverted doctrine, not twisted doctrines. It has to be right doctrine. And having received right doctrine, some people stop there and they have their doctrinal statement lined up perfectly, but their life is a wreck. Their life is not lined up with what they say they believe. It's more than just... Uh, it's more than just having right doctrine. He says those things you've learned and received, do. Do those things, and the God of peace shall be with you. Amen? You have to do what God has led us to do. And so it's not enough that we're saved. Even it's not enough that we're just born again and we belong to a church where I agree with all 10 points or 11 or 12 points of the church doctrine. That is a must. That's a foundation. That's a must. But that's not all there is to it. You and I personally are to walk in the things that God has shown us. Walk in sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is right doctrine. And sound healthy doctrine is doctrine that you practice. It's not sound and healthy if you don't practice it. It's just a statement on a piece of paper. 
It's sound, healthy doctrine if we obey it and keep it. Amen? And God desires for his people not only to be converts. He didn't die to make converts. He died to make disciples. And we're to go and make disciples. And a disciple is a learner and a follower. And he says, where I am, there will my disciples be also. We're walking with Christ. And I have to walk in the word of God. We have to do those things like Paul says. The things you've heard and seen and learned and received, do. Amen? Do them. I want to read this scripture to you. If you're taking notes, 1 John 3, 22. And whatsoever we ask, John says, we receive of him. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So I started off this tonight saying there are terms. There are conditions upon the promises of God. Somebody think, oh, oh well, you're, you're preaching the law. You're not preaching grace. No, I'm preaching the Bible. Amen. There are terms to receiving the blessings of God. We just read it right here. Those things you've seen and heard and learned and received of me do. And the God of peace will be with you. Be careful for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, right? Let your request be known to God. And the peace of God shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. None of that is just for our salvation, by the way. We're saved by grace through faith. There are a lot of promises, many promises in the Bible, many promises in the New Testament, many promises for the born-again believer that are conditional. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, I just want the devil to flee from me. Well, no, he says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, number one. You, in the power of the name of Jesus, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Is that not a condition? I just go around rebuking Satan all the time, but my life's not submitted to Christ, and, and he's not fleeing from me. Well, the promise is, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There are conditions. There are conditions. That's not the law. That's, that's Christ. That's the perfect law of liberty that we're given in the New Testament. Amen? And James says this, and we all know it. I'm just going to read it. James chapter 1. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. A lot of people are hearers of the word only. There may be at certain points of our lives we're hearers only. We're nodding, we're agreeing, we're amening, we're saying, preach it, brother. And it says, but be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And later in that chapter, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, is not a forgetful hearer, he's a doer of the word and the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I want to be a blessed man. I want God, God to bless me. Then be a doer of the word. I'm preaching to myself just as much as to you, but there are, there's a condition here, right? And this is what uh, Paul is talking about in this passage. Do those things. Do those things. Think those things. And then do them. It's not enough to even think them. We have to do them. What if we went around all around thinking about how wonderful it would be to win somebody to the Lord? That's so pleasing to God. It's so honoring to God. Jesus died for them. They can be saved. They can believe the gospel. I'm called to preach the gospel day after day after week and never, never witness to anybody. You understand the point? Be a doer. Not, none of us are perfect, but quit, we need to quit using that as an excuse. It's, 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 put that at the end of everything. Well, I'm not perfect. Well, no, we're not. But God's called us to be perfect. 
in the sense of complete or mature. He's called us to be holy as he is holy. And by the Holy Ghost working in us, we can be. We find the things that aren't, and we bring them to Christ. We find the things that aren't what they should be, we bring them to the altar. We may have to bring it a thousand times, but bring it a thousand times. God, help me. Help me in this area, whatever it is. He will help us. And this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. New Testament scripture. Guess what? There are a lot of commandments for believers. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not, what's the word? Grievous or burdensome. They're not. If you love Christ and you're in Christ and you're filled with the Spirit and you're walking and moving and living in the Holy Ghost, they're not a burden. They're not burdensome. Oh, I've got to keep these commandments. That would be to me a true definition of religious. I've got this 10, 20, 100, 1,500 commandments to keep. And, I, and they're like a huge weight just weighing me down. But we just said in James is a perfect law of what? Liberty. Paul said this one thing I do, right? I'm really only doing one thing. I'm following after Jesus who saved me. I'm following to be everything he called me to be. To do everything he's called me to do by the grace of God. That's pretty simple. Amen? And so don't burden yourself down with it. But obey the Lord. That's what we're called to do. And so... That is the life that's going to be blessed. That is the life that's going to have the presence of God. I'm, I'm close with a few thoughts here. D, you can come on up. We, we must convert our creed into conduct. Is it important to have right doctrine? Absolutely. It's of the utmost important to have right, importance to have right doctrine. You know that we believe that. We preach the word. We teach the word. We call out as God leads to, to expose things that are not of God and false doctrines. But our creed, our belief system, must be converted into conduct. At some point now, okay, now's the point, it needs to have an effect upon my life and my lifestyle. There has to be a real change in my life. Paul, Paul persecuted Christians and brought, brought havoc in the church of Jesus Christ when he was Saul of Tarsus. He didn't do that after he was saved. There's a change in his conduct. Amen? The things he used to glory in, now he doesn't glory in. He glories in Christ and so forth. And so we have to convert our profession into practice. So right thinking helps produce right living. And holy thinking is going to help produce holy living. If I'm thinking about th things that are not of God a lot and often, it is going to have an effect upon my life negatively. You know it because you've done it. You might be there now, and I know it because I've done it. We need our thoughts to be on the Lord. Holy thinking is going to help produce holy living. God is a companion of those who are seeking to, to live for him and with him. He loves everybody, but he's going to be a companion with those that are walking in his ways. Amen? A companion. That's what we want from the Lord. A friend who sticks closer than a brother. I'm closing with two scriptures. I'll read these from Luke chapter 11. Kind of a strange verse, but there was this lady in the crowd when Jesus was preaching and he had done miracles and was preaching 
and it was maybe she was just overwhelmed I don't know but it came to pass that as he spake these things a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him blessed is the womb that bear thee and the paps that thou hast sucked but he said yea rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it he just kind of set her straight right there he wasn't he wasn't being mean or harsh he's not you say that that's blessed, the womb that bear me and all that kind of stuff. He goes, rather, blessed is he that hears the word of God and keeps it. Hears it and keeps it. Is this not taught all through the scriptures? To be doers of the word and not hearers only. Last thing, John 13, 17, Jesus said, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. If you know these things, so it's not enough to know them. If you know these things, whatever he was preaching and teaching at that time, he's the Christ, he's the Son of God, he's the bread of life, whatever he was teaching. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. The blessing comes through doing them, not just hearing. And so y'all stand with me tonight. We're going to close with that thought. We're told here the things to think on. Two thoughts tonight. Our thought life is of the utmost importance. And we can, by the grace of God, bring those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And we need to. I need to. We need to reel it in. Okay, those thoughts. Second of all, we need to do the things that God has taught us from his word. And the promise is that the God of peace shall be with you. It's a wonderful promise, isn't it? If God's with us, who can be against us? There's nothing we have to worry about. So these altars are open. Come and just worship the Lord for a moment. Maybe you have thoughts that are getting the best of you. Maybe you have a thought life. And I would be surprised if we didn't have thought lives that at times are not honoring to God. Ask God to help you. I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm saying we're human beings. We need God's help. We need to understand that I'm not a prisoner to my brain. I'm, I'm to bring those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Or maybe you're here tonight and you hear all the good doctrine and you amen it and you agree with it and you read the Bible and you even teach Bible studies. And you're not doing the word consistently like you're called to. You need to ask God's forgiveness. He's a God of forgiveness. Thou art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon me but then ask him to help you. Lord, help me. Lord, in some areas, I'm not doing what I'm called to do. I'm being a hypocrite, and I don't want to be that. I want to be an example that others in the faith could follow in the faith. Amen.